So yeah. I'm really excited to have Dan Williams on this little video now. And um, we, we also make them into podcasts, by the way, if that's all right with you, Dan. Yeah, so um, we'll endeavour to um, shut up in between my questions so you can have your bit. And I know we both can talk for England. But for anybody watching or listening, who are you and what do you do, please? Uh, my name's Dan Williams. I, uh, uh, well, I'm sports therapist, movement therapist, uh, biomechanics coach, uh, whatever you like to call yourself uh, <laughs> nowadays. Uh, but I do a bit of personal training one-to-one as well, strength and conditioning sort of stuff, uh, as well as uh, uh, I teaching for uh, movement therapy education on a few of the uh, modules as well, uh, including a few of the taping and the rock tape stuff. Uh, and uh, hopefully going to be uh, doing some uh, dermo neuromodulation stuff uh, in the coming years. We were supposed to run a course uh, in May, but obviously with all this stuff going on at the moment, uh, with, with lockdown and stuff, the guys from Canada couldn't come over. So uh, that was a bit uh, annoying on our part, but uh, we'll hopefully get it sorted in the year. So how are you getting on with lockdown? Have you been able to do, I know you and Mike, uh, Mike being one of our sort of, he was integral to the development of the Biomechanics Coach programme. So you know, that's mm-hmm. how you and I are connected is through the biomechanics coaching and so on, uh, which is a very hands-on skill. And you possibly even more so than me because you're a manual therapist um, alongside your personal training. How have you coped with lockdown? Have you got anything online? I think you've been doing a few things with Mike, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, for movement therapy clinics, is where, where, where I work with Mike, uh, that's uh, he's, he's the clinic director there. Uh, so... Uh, we've been doing some online uh, classes for people uh, and uh, just just for free during during lockdown. So just doing some body weight stuff. We've adapted the strength and conditioning classes that we use uh, in clinic with the weights to uh, focus on more of an endurance aspect rather than the strength aspect. But for some people, that is uh, just as much as they can cope with. So uh, like assisted squats or something like that, holding on to something is like the lowest one. Uh, and then they build up to maybe jumping or something. So we've tried to... Uh, change it so it's um better for everyone during lockdown but we do these online classes via zoom uh m- much like most people are doing i think uh but uh it's adapting and uh, ne- uh creativity is um bred out of necessity i suppose so it's uh <laughs> it's uh we, we've been doing that recently but um i've got quite a bit of a gym quick gym equipment in my room anyway and uh like uh, in my flat so i've got a rower and a spin bike behind me so i've been doing quite a lot on that um might might think about getting on camera and doing some spin classes i haven't decided yet where, 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 whether i could uh that i'd limit the public to <laughs> have, have that on their youtube so uh i mean yeah like like all of us and i know that uh for anybody watching or listening mike grice's company so he's over in harbour in birmingham and he runs uh, movement therapy clinics, which obviously Dan works with him, and then movement therapy education. And like us, he's been producing a huge amount of content, live videos and webinars, um, which I think, as you rightly say, we're, we're kind of, it's literally been week by week, day by day, in some respects in the early days, wasn't it, about sort of moving forwards. Do you predict, do you have any forethoughts in your mind obviously nobody knows what the future holds really but what do you think the industry is going to look like and I I guess we're talking about two industries in one respect here I always see it as one but there there are two so uh, personal training and manual therapy has it changed forever do you think um I I I think there's only 
uh, it can only benefit from it because the, all the telehealth that's coming out, some people don't don't like it, rightly so. Some people do like it, rightly so as well, and they're respecting their, their opinions. But uh, to adapt, I've always been one to try and look and to the future a little bit with what, what we're looking to do um, with, with businesses and stuff. And uh, the telehealth aspect is really quite interesting for our point of view because um, not much has changed in the consultation stuff that we do anyway whether it's in person or not we would spend an hour talking about their case history doing a thorough case history from the manual therapist point of view and, and the personal training really because we would do the same case history uh, a thorough case history uh, clinical assessments and stuff anyway uh, if it was personal training because we would want to know what that person where that person is so the best best knowledge doing a screen or something like that to, to figure out uh, obviously you can't put your hands on the people at the moment but the uh, the the creativity that's bred from this is quite good because you can you can get their partners to maybe teach them to do that. We've been putting tape on partners uh, via webinar and stuff. You're you're going to be reaching a bigger niche, a bigger bigger market, as it were, via the internet than you could ever hope to do just in your little small community at home. So um, to have half of your business or a little bit on there online and doing little things like that, and then then it can only help the industry or the prof uh, professional that's uh, that's in it really um i don't know where it's going to go whether it's going to totally go online or totally do that but i certainly will be having a certain amount of my my stuff online now just because uh we've got the systems in place because we've had to so i don't see why we're just going to sack that off uh, and just go oh well we don't need that anymore because we're back to doing what we're doing well no i think i think as we're going forward the internet will become this bigger beast that it already is and uh, we will need to embrace it a lot more uh, with what we do it can't replace hands-on but your market um, uh, pricing structure could change uh, so that could be a cheaper option for people and then uh, or an add-on or uh, or something like that an upsell as it were for your one-to-one -one personal training indoors doing the strength stuff uh, same with manual therapy and the exercise therapy it's uh, it could be a nice adjunct to get people doing their exercises I totally agree and, and it's interesting because I've always done consultations online just to save the client's time and money and my time and money uh, for them mm. turning up and then there's a red flag. So it's interesting that it's kind of, it's highlighted at weak areas for some, it's reinforced stronger areas for others. But I, I agree, I think it's almost like we've fast forwarded 10, maybe 20 years in the industry towards more of an online portion but i agree i think most people are talking about i mean i personally one of the first things i'm going to do is book a massage <laughs> i've got to say <laughs> i can't wait for somebody <laughs> to get their their hands on my shoulders and my neck and my back um yeah yeah my knees are aching for the shockwave got to book in with mike <laughs> when i need to <laughs> what what a comment so if we come back to sort of our common interest in sort of bio, intrinsic biomechanics the human body a posture um, these kind of terminologies and concepts around them, sort of maybe common mistakes that manual therapists and personal trainers make about biomechanics and posture and, and assessment. What do you think, are there any, and what are the ones, common ones you make, you come across? I think you've got to look at it from your, um, uh, your original training. I mean, a lot, a lot of the training that you come from, it's like, I describe it like when you were a GCSE biology uh, and you walk in on the first day of GCSE biology and they go, forget what you've, what you've learned so far, 
this is how it is. And then you go into our A2 biology and it's like, no, forget what you've learned so far. This is how we do it. And then you go to second year A levels and it's like, no, forget for that. And if you did a degree, it would be the same. So on every level, uh, this is a quote from Amnesty coming on one of the uh, uh, lecture, lecturers uh, up at Movement Therapy Education. He said this the other day and I was like, it's absolutely brilliant. When uh, another level brings another devil. So uh, within business or whatever, but when, when you're going up another level within your um, learning or your journey, you will realize that you can't, uh, what you learned back then might not be so true, but it's it's integral to your uh, learning development to have that foundation of I've learned this, and then I can. It's a platform to jump off. So I think saying that first is is good because uh, you've got that foundation. Whatever you've learned is not a waste of time with yes. your education. Um, it, you might you might have been taught slightly wrong uh, from what's actually true. But that doesn't mean it was a waste of time. It was, uh, it, it's something, to, a platform to jump off, as it were. And then you, you open yourself up to have that knowledge to go in different places. So when it comes to posture and biomechanics and stuff, we all have this bias coming from what we've learned before, uh, the coming into anything else. So you have that sort of like, um, oh, I've always been told this, so that must be true kind of thing. And then you start to learn a little bit more into um, having a bit more critical thinking and looking into a bit more of the research maybe and going oh maybe it's uh, different experiences it doesn't have to be the research you could talk to experts in the field and you can uh, build up your own opinion from those experts and uh, it's, it's I certainly did like as I went through I, I looked for the best in the industry and I went right I want to learn from you and then once I did that I was like right there's somebody else I want to learn from. I want to learn, learn that from you uh, and then uh, as you develop it you start to get your own knowledge to look at the research and then see develop your own opinions on the, these matters but uh, with, with regards to sort of like posture and stuff coming from that there, there are quite a lot of inaccuracies uh, and fa uh, falsehoods as it were with the uh, uh, posture and what we believe to be done uh, beforehand like with posture it was all external sort of uh, as you would say extrinsic biomechanics you would look at it and it if you look at that person, they would have to look like this, doing this movement or something. And now we're looking through all the research and it's coming out that uh, everybody's different, like different femur lengths, different femur neck angles can uh, change the antiversion or retroversion of the, the hips, which can uh, massively impact how you squat. And I know you do loads of stuff with the squat stuff. Um, but uh, also looking at it from a different way, like having your bio, like Mike goes on about this a lot with the uh, MT diploma and stuff. It's like um, the indicators of where we test, say either a leg length discrepancy or uh, an anterior pelvic tilt or whatever. It's like if that ASIS, if that's where you're palpating to try and find whether it's off, as it were, or asymmetrical, uh, but when you look at them through an MRI or an X-ray or something, or cadavers, uh, as Mike's seen as well, you could have an ASIS that is an inch bigger than on one side than the other. So that throws off the whole testing process and you don't really know. So they're not like sort of uplift torsioned uh, to, to, to the right or whatever it's, whatever they say, all that jargon. Uh, it doesn't really matter because you're looking at the movement of that individual person and uh, if they're in pain or not it's uh, like from a personal training point of view obviously you probably refer if they're in pain but you um, and then get the go-ahead to go with the therapist but from a therapist point of view uh, that's where the pain comes in it's like 
do you treat the pain and just symptom modify and then get them to do a movement that is comfortable for them and then ease them into that movement again? Possibly. Uh, as, as like Greg Lehman says, is he, he's more of a movement optimist than I'm, uh, I agree with, uh, seem to agree with Greg. Yeah, it was interesting. I, had, I don't know if you saw the interview I did with Sam Chidwick, who's a podiatrist. Um, and I, I haven't seen that yet. No, I'll, I'll be watching it. Uh, uh, where I, well, I'll be watching it when I'm on the, on the bike. I tend to do all my watching on podcasts while I'm on the bike. Yeah, you take advantage <laughs> of the time, don't you? Yeah, he, and he had an. It was really interesting conversation, and I mean, we could have gone on forever. It was an hour, but he mentioned the same as yourself. Now, um, the skill is in the practitioner in deciding what to do and when. So if you get a pain client, and he talked about, you know. Uh, predominantly they may want to get the client comfortable first, which is not actually addressing the root cause, but it is addressing the symptom. So that yeah. then they can address the symptom. And this, the real skill I think he was talking about, and you're, you're also alluding to, is in the practitioner's management of the client and their expectation. And it mm. is that sort of um, building up uh, conceptual paradigms, I don't know, paradigms, I'm trying to make up words here. I'll keep making words up, but a paradigm that then, you know, it shifts, like you say about going from level two yeah. to level three, level four. It, it, it's not untrue. It's just technically not quite right at that level, but you need to learn that before you move yeah. on. Yeah. So you, you've obviously been through a huge journey and I know, um, I mean, I've known you for many years now uh, and, and so has Mike and I'm, I'm envious of your, you know, when, when I spent, 15 years making Martin's ears bleed um, and you now have that luxury with Mike uh, pretty much um, having him on tap. So how do you feel that um, if we just take the biomechanics coaching, for example, so anybody who's thinking about doing the biomechanics Mm -hmm. coach diploma, that particular portion of your learning journey, which was prior to uh, therapy stuff with Mike, how did that specifically help you within this journey? Do you think, can you think of something uh, where that particularly helped you? It definitely um, changed my thinking, uh, as in, uh, it, before that, completely honest, like, uh, as, as we all are at points, you are quite close-minded with what you learn. It's like, it's that very guru-centric model of the people that I'd learned from beforehand were, this is how it is, and that's, that's the truth, that's fact. Uh, but there are lots of ambiguity like you say the different shifts and it's not quite right and uh is everything science is ever evolving and that we have to be open to new information and change our minds and our opinions as new evidence brings itself to light and not many people are capable of doing that uh when you've been told from this guru-led sort of education model that it's uh uh, this is how it is and this is definitely how uh, how, there's no there's no room for error uh, in there and that's not how science works really and uh, what what was nice about the biomechanics is uh, the the diploma as it were is uh, on the first day you were going through all the explained pain stuff and you had all the books there and even though uh, as a personal trainer um, you shouldn't really be dealing with people and have an appreciation of that like you say all the time it's like you shouldn't really dealing with people in pain you refer then deal with them afterwards once you're under the guidance of a therapist but having an appreciation of pain knows you know when that red flag is there to like move on or refer or who to refer to uh and also opens up your learning to go oh i want to do that instead or i want to add that onto my skill set 
And uh, it was just, it was nice to have this refresh of like, these, you can do this, but these are the avenues to do afterwards as well. Uh, and it's like, you could do that if you want, you could do that if you want, you could go and uh, go and do a therapy module if you would like, or if you just want to do strength and conditioning, go to strength and conditioning. It's, uh, it, you can add it on, it, it's a nice midway buffer between uh, doing a bit of manual uh, assessments and uh, learning about the nerves especially as well. Like that's, that's, that was really integral to how a neurocentric approach of therapists are now and learning that from a, a trainer's point of view is amazing because not many people uh, are being taught that at a training point of view uh, so it, yeah it was basically all down it was um it was refreshing to change my thinking uh, and then it, it allowed me to follow a path that I wouldn't have otherwise uh and and that's that's something i'll always be uh, proud of because it's like it, it, i wouldn't have got to where i am now without it because i wouldn't have met the people that i needed to meet where that um has got me to critically analyze what we do now and it, it was interesting because i remember vividly uh you on your diploma um and i actually use your case study more than anyone else's um, as an example of this is how it's done. Um, but I remember feeling your discomfort of your paradigm shifting whilst you mm. were within that sort of stage one and two Kubler-Ross that we talk about. And I felt yeah. that, but I felt that I, I knew that when you got to the other side, you would really get it. Um, yeah. and so I, I thoroughly enjoyed having you on the training as well. And then it was so nice to be able to get your permission to use your case study and so you, yeah. you continue now to help my present biomechanics coach learners, your case studies on the IBA portal, um, you know, and it really helps them understand from your perspective, because yours is different to others, um, mm. how you were thinking when you were doing your case studies. Do you have yeah. an example of a, like, um, one, not one from your biomechanics coach diploma necessarily, but of a case study example where you had a, you never forget them. You know that one that you always remember who something really special happened and are you able to share it without any names or anything? Um, yeah, there's been, there's been a few. I mean, um, uh, the, the people with uh, chronic sort of uh, problems, uh, persistent problems, uh, also mental health issues uh, seem to go hand in hand with the, the one particular person I'm thinking of. But um, not naming names, obviously, but they have chronic sort of uh, neurological uh, disorders, um, uh, FND, sort of uh, functional neurological disorder. And uh, they've got lots of issues, um, uh, not going into too much detail, but the main one is that where it, it's sort of under the, under the umbrella of um, chronic uh, fatigue syndrome and stuff. So they're very t they can get very tired. Uh, they can just suddenly lose uh, their legs. Uh, and uh, just basically not lose their legs literally but um they, yeah. they don't really can't really control them very well uh, it's, it's it's more of um uh, massive spasms and they've lost the strength loss of strength and stuff like that so um uh, so they, having that and doing it wasn't necessarily the the screen that helped but it was the exercises afterwards because yeah. they were able to do these um uh, anti-spasms the uh, met's and stuff like that on their own and it was uh, able to help them with uh, little bits of their say muscle pain and stuff like that around those sorts of areas that sensitization and just um little contractions through the anti-spasms and stuff to to kind of 
feel like their body again. And as Paul Coker talks about the guy, uh, uh, when he does his uh, lecturing, he, he talks about his body mapping of the brain and uh, contracting and the, the, right, the, with the tape and stuff. And that's very much like what you're doing with the contractions. You're figuring out your body again, letting the nerves decide and contract in different ways. And it's, uh, yes, it can help you move better and stuff like that. But I think it's got so many more benefits as well. Um, like doing slight contractions can increase or uh, secrete endocannabinoids within the muscle, which is your body's natural pain relievers as well. So you have these kind of little benefits that kind of trickle through from doing these um, uh, exercises on their own. And it's that repetitiveness um, from doing that as well and enabling that client to do it on their own. Uh, we, I don't want to, to be that therapist that is you have to come for a, a hands-on manual therapy session every single uh, week. It, I'm more in the gym than any uh, therapist at, at MT, MTC It's um, uh, because I'm doing my exercise therapy through that as well. Um, uh, it, obviously, you've got Mike, who's osteo, and Chris and Sophie, the physios as well. They need to be in the uh, clinic, um, clinic rooms a lot more because they get different types of clients. But my regular clients are more in the gym. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's quite interesting in the way that this person responded to having the self-reliance uh, as well, uh, to, to kind of do it on their own and then just have a text of like, that felt amazing, thank you. Uh, or just to give them that um, little homeworks when they go away uh, and that they understand it a little bit more. It's so empowering. And I think that's such an important part of everything we do. I think there's a perception that therapy is about, you've got to book in, you've got to do so many sessions, which yes, you might do. But I think right from the beginning, if we can talk to them and set up the expectation, look, you're the best person to get rid of your pain. I'm just going to help you along in the beginning if you do everything and report back. And so yeah, I, think, yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. And, and I do agree with you as well about there's so much more to those METs than initially that concept again it's that peeling back of the layers isn't it of conceptually yeah. what's going on and i know you do a lot on the neurological stuff with mike um so it's good to hear and you it's interesting listening to your vocabulary and the different ways people speak from our different experiences of educators sessions lectures research and we just pick up these different terminologies which i think is really good for anyone mm. watching this who may be from a different background and I'm hearing new vocabulary coming through from you. Uh, yeah. It's just helpful hearing it in a different slant. I think that's really cool as well. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. So, um, okay. Well, normally at this point I ask if uh, you have a favorite book recommendation. Now I know you read a lot, but I know that you also read a lot around research and research papers. So I will open up your option to include if you wanted to do a research paper recommend or a book recommend and if yeah, you want um, to do, you do hard copy books or a bit of both yeah yeah i mean i've got um got a couple here um so got hard copy book dermo neuromodulating so it's the uh by diane jacobs she's awesome uh it's it's based they've got a lot of research papers within it um that it's based on it's it's not necessarily this kind of like um, this is what happens kind of thing. It, it's it's our best guess as to what uh, within science it's always our best guesstimates and whatever and stuff like that. From the evidence that we have to hand, this is our best guess as to why manual therapy works. Uh, so um, obviously, throughout recent years, there is a, lots of movements towards like manual therapy and touch 
uh, and how it's not clinically relevant. Uh, and a lot of the research that is done with manual therapy is just that effleurage, petrosars and stuff like that and the topopin and stuff. And it doesn't, it doesn't suit that one individual for that particular amount of touch. And there's a lot of air of um, experience that needs to come from that therapist as to know how to deal with that client and stuff and touch can be very very valuable we all need it we all know from this lockdown that touch is a valuable thing uh and we're not touching people we're not touching our family we're not secreting the serotonin and the oxytocin in our body uh to to go like the hug hormone and stuff like that um to uh to have that effect on our bodies and touch is a massively powerful thing and that, uh, that book encapsulates a lot of the neurocentric approach of what the, um, the physios and clinicians and therapists are looking at nowadays uh, is um, uh, just how can we affect it? Much like what you guys do with your neuro neural tension stuff, it's how can we exercise or move the nerves or go into re real detail of the cutaneous nerves, not just the main nerves that go down from the, say, the median nerve or the sciatic nerve, it's the, it's the peripheral cutaneous nerves and how we can possibly uh, modify their input and affect the downward modulation to possibly affect pain, and they have great, great uh, experience with that. But um, it's it's just interesting, obviously, with the pain science and stuff. Um, like Ben Cormack said recently as well, it's a uh, uh, pain science doesn't overlook the patient's um, uh, expectations or how they feel. I, not a direct quote or whatever, but you can't um, forget the individuals. Uh, in all of this, you could, it doesn't matter what the pain science says. Is if that person doesn't believe it, they probably won't. Yeah, <laughs> uh, won't experience it or have yeah. any benefit. We're saying this more and more to um, you know learners that come through that it doesn't it doesn't matter what you read, it doesn't matter what um, FP says or Paul Check or you know Gary Gray or whoever we listen to. Mm. Um, they're just concepts and paradigms and thoughts and ideas, uh, but ultimately the number one deciding factor as to what you do in that session with that client is the client. Um, mm. And so it is the manage, it's the people management and the touch management um, yeah. and, and, and the excuse. I always call it, it always, I don't know if it sounds a bit weird if I say, uh, it's great to have an excuse to touch a client because you will, you will always connect better. So manual therapy, obviously, it's expected, but as a personal trainer or even as a biomechanics coach, becoming a biomechanics coach, mm. the, the excuse to touch people in such a way, uh, in that professional manner, still gives you the ability to connect far more than a kind of a step-back sort of exercise professional. So I totally agree with you. Um, okay, well, uh, that's about 30 minutes of viewing time for um, people watching this. Uh, so much appreciated, Dan. and. Amazing to see you. I think for definite, yeah. you should be doing some indoor cycling classes for everyone. <laughs> so, I'll, I'll have a think. <laughs> before we close off, um, anybody watching this who may um, be in the Birmingham area and looking for a personal trainer, a biomechanics coach, or a manual therapist, how do they find you? Where are you? Social media websites contact details please yeah so we've got um our website is www.mtclinics all one word uh dot com uh, and then uh, you just go through the website on there it's, uh, it's got everybody on there from the, from the clinic uh, movement therapy clinics on facebook instagram and so on and so forth uh and uh, yeah we've got all the all the links on there so uh, give us a follow on facebook and stuff and uh, uh, if you need to get in touch
Fantastic. Well, Dan, you are a star. Hopefully, I will see thanks, you Frank. feel one day very soon. Uh, you take care Hopefully. of yourself. Cheers. All right. Bye. See ya.